Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And friends, periodically we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome. We're starting a new series over the next couple days that's coming out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And you know, woven into the human fabric of life is a desire to learn and to understand. We use alphabet letters, vowels, consonants, and we form them into words, sentences, paragraphs, and even books. We They're spoken, signed, whispered, written, and printed. You know, they range from friendly advice to impassioned speeches and from dusty volumes sitting on a shelf to magazine messages that are sent and received. And each sender does so with a desire to impart knowledge and wisdom. We desire to leave our legacy. And human beings analyze, we conceptualize, we theorize, debate, and discuss everything under the sun. And Solomon writes to us in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. And later on in his life, Solomon's credited for writing the book of Ecclesiastes, which means a person who calls an assembly to order. So he wrote Ecclesiastes to spare future generations the bitterness of learning through their own experience that life is meaningless apart from God. And we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verses 7 through 12 that night God appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, "What do you want?" Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, You have been so faithful and kind to my father David, and now you've made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, please keep your promise to David my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge to rule them properly, for who is able to govern this great nation of yours? And God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for personal wealth and honor or the death of your enemies or even a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people, I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested. And I will also give you riches, wealth, and honor, such as no other king has ever had before you or will ever have again. And friends, wisdom is the ability to make good decisions based on proper discernment and judgment. And knowledge is the practical know-how to command our everyday lives. Wisdom is indeed a precious commodity. And wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. That's what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 15. 
And that same wisdom that was available to Solomon is available to us. So how do we acquire it then? Well, first, we must go to God and ask for it. And second, we must devote ourselves wholeheartedly to studying and applying God's word. This is our source of divine wisdom for our life. God wants to honor our prayers for an understanding mind. What He can do through us, He will honor. And right living is when we have the wisdom to know what to do and then the courage to follow through on it. So wisdom is both the ability to discern what is best and the strength of character to act upon that knowledge. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So putting God in first place in our lives means to make the kingdom of God our primary concern. And we do this when we fill our thoughts with his desires or we model his character as the pattern within our life. And finally, we obey his word. And there's that delicate balance to keeping God first place in a society where people objects or goals, all are vying for our attention. And many people allow the temptations of our world to steal their joy. And everyday experiences turning into empty, futile, hollow times ringing out with disappointments and disillusionment. But Solomon reflects on his life journey, telling us that nearly everything he tried, tested, or tasted was meaningless. And these are the words of a king who had it all. He had tremendous intellect, power, wealth, and favor. Kings from other nations sought out Solomon for his wisdom, traveling to Jerusalem to meet with him. And although Solomon possessed much insight on life, he failed to take his own counsel to heart. He began a downward spiral. As he neared the end of life, he was able to look back with the attitude of humility and a repentant heart. And how often do we follow what Solomon did too? We have the knowledge, yet we fail to follow through in obedience. Solomon would point the way for us to true hope, happiness, and fulfillment. You know, temporal things in life include knowledge or our relationships, possibly even our work and pleasure. But apart from God, everything is meaningless. None of these things matter in the light of our eternal life. We all follow different paths in life, and the key is that some, not ones, not the ones that are not focused on God, but some paths lead to emptiness. When we harness this wisdom, we can be spared from emptiness that results from a life without God. And many of us look for meaning in life through knowledge, money, pleasure, work, or even popularity. But true satisfaction comes from knowing that what we are doing is part of God's purpose for our life. And wisdom frees us from chasing power, chasing the approval in money, and draws us closer to God. So the cure for emptiness, as I've said, it's, it literally is to focus on God. And no matter how hard we work, how much effort we put in, there's no lasting reward without God. Yet when we accept our work assignments from God as the gifts they truly are, we'll become blessed with opportunities and abilities to fulfill our calling. 
Because there are seasons to life and a final curtain call, we need to see beyond human wisdom. Knowledge and education have their capped ceilings. We must live by the Word of God, staying above our circumstances. Our final evaluation will not be coming from man, but it will be coming from God. And Solomon's goal for gathering an assembly together was to teach the people not to have confidence in their own efforts, abilities, or their own righteousness. Back in Old Testament times, a common misconception was held that good people prospered while wicked people suffered. This wasn't true in Solomon's eyes. When Solomon did a look back over his life, he discovered it had been meaningless. Trying to find meaning in accomplishments separate from God, one will never be satisfied. Human accomplishments don't stand the test of time. They eventually disappear. And we must keep this in mind so we won't become self-proud or be filled with pride. When we succeed or utterly disappointed when we fail or are failed. And one way we place God first on the throne of our heart is to show honor to God in all that we think, all that we say, and all that we do. And Solomon tests our faith asking, what do people really get for all of their hard work? He points out that generations come and go, but nothing really changes. The sun rises, sets, and hurries round to rise again. The wind twists and blows without getting anywhere. Even the rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never quite full. Why, as a society, are we restless and often dissatisfied? If we're in God's will, should we be tired and unfulfilled? Well, God's asking each of us to rethink our purpose and our direction in life. And Solomon worked hard to distinguish wisdom from foolishness. He found the more he knew, the greater the pain and difficulty. And the more he looked around and saw the imperfections in life, the greater the observation, the more evil can be seen in the world. So are you prepared like Solomon to find the meaning of life? If you answered yes, then get ready for feeling more, thinking more, and even questioning more, and hurting more, and then finally doing more. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 18, Solomon tells us, For the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. There are two types of wisdom, human wisdom and godly wisdom. When you look at chapter 2, it provides us with a line of sight that all we do, build, and guard is futile if God is not in it. Solomon built houses. He built a temple, a kingdom, and a family. In the course of history, all would be ruined. Unless the Lord builds it, all will be ruined. When a kingdom or a family forgets God, they collapse. And the foundation of all of our goals must be God. If we're to experience lasting results, he must be our chief cornerstone that we build upon. And Solomon repeats himself when he says that things are like chasing the wind multiple times. We feel the wind as it passes, but we can't catch it, nor can we keep it. Even great achievements or accolades are short-lived if God is not at the center of all that we do. Our security and our self-worth are directly correlated to God. So where are you placing your time, your money, 
and your energy? Are you investing in people who could never pay you back? In other words, there's nothing reciprocal in you being a divine blessing to them. When we show this level of consideration and kindness, God smiles down on us. And if we pay attention, we may even see him giving us a wink. Solomon came to a realization that wisdom alone would not provide him with eternal life. He said that he saw the wise and the foolish share in the same fate. Both of them die. So Solomon began to question his wisdom. He toiled with the idea that the wise person and the fool both die and in the days to come, both will be forgotten. In essence, he was admonishing us to not build our lives on perishable pursuits, but instead build on the foundation of God. When we follow this wisdom, we learn that even if we lose it all, we always will have God in our heart, and that is all we will ever need. This wisdom can apply to many people. However, one person's life stands out, and that was Job. He was a righteous man, one who was above reproach. His life was filled with prestige, possessions, and people. But suddenly, without warning, a metaphorical hurricane came against his life. He was being assaulted on every side, yet he was a true man of God. Satan was conversing with God about Job, And the accuser argued that Job only trusted God because of his great wealth and all the things that were going well for him in his life and the invisible hedge of protection surrounding both he and his family. So God allowed the testing of Job's family to begin. His life would be stripped down to the very foundation upon which he had once built. In any building that we do in life centers around our foundation. No matter if it's our faith or any other area of life, our foundation must be deep enough and solid enough to withstand the building we place atop of it. And the quality of our foundations determines the quality of our lives. If we build using inferior, subpar materials, when we encounter testing, our very lives will crumble. But Job, this man of God, one day had vast riches only to be impoverished the next day. His perseverance prevailed over this nine-month testing period. He would have many trials in the form of friends, the accuser, his health, his wife, and even full-blown dissertations with God. But Job would succumb to humble obedience and reverence before God. He was ultimately speechless, and God would restore him to both happiness and health. And this is a great reminder that we too can trust God when our world doesn't make sense. And other people may mean well attempting to give us their opinions, but They were not given any revelation about us from God. So when God's ready, should it be his will, he will tell us the why behind our tribulations. Should he not tell us, then it's safe to believe it's none of our business. In Romans chapter 8 verse 28 promises us that God works all things together for our good to those who love God. 
And often I've stated that all of mankind is equal at the foot of the cross. In the earthly sense, this is a factual statement. However, God makes it clear that what we do on earth matters. And now I'm not roping us in here to a discussion about faith and works. But over the next few days, we're going to journey through the book of Ecclesiastes, ending with these concluding thoughts from chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Here is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is the duty of every person. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And Solomon's wisdom here is guiding us to not become bogged down with the mysteries or contradictions of life. Instead, we're to place our focus on knowing the one true God, the very one who gave us life through his breath. And while God wants us to enjoy our life, we're to remain obedient to him while doing so. Purpose and meaning is revealed to us outside of any of our human endeavors. And it's normal to acknowledge that evil does exist. We live in a fallen world, and we will see injustices and wisdom's opposite foolishness, yet we should not get stuck there. God's desire is for his children to prevail by keeping our focused attention on him. When we do this, Second Peter says we will never stumble. And someday when we meet with God, because he is sovereign and knows about every circumstance that we ever encountered, there will be no need to give him a laundry list of excuses for why we failed to live properly or live for him. He already knows the inequities of life and has that all factored into the equation. He provided mankind with a guide for how to do life right, step by step, walking in faith with his son Jesus. So let today be the day when you stop striving for the obtainment of joy. Realize you already possess it. It's one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. It's a gift God has already freely given to us. We've all experienced the ups and downs of happiness because that emotion sits upon one end of the teeter-totter in our mind. One minute, hour, day, or even circumstance causes it to be up, another down. But joy is stable, joy is steady, and is always in the background, ready and able to assist us if we will only acknowledge its presence. And the Holy Spirit enables us to experience this heartfelt gratitude. And more of the wind is let out of Solomon's sails when he realizes hard work solely for the purpose of earning more money and to gain possessions is foolish. It all gets left behind. And sometimes other people who did absolutely nothing in the obtainment of it will benefit. And when we produce fruit only to glorify ourselves, we're setting the stage for another to come in and destroy it. However, if our work is to glorify God, we'll please Him and we will harvest joy. This is working with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. And when our focus is on glorifying God, we can enjoy all that He gives us through His open hand. When we view each day as a gift from God, we'll live more purposefully and not be self-centered or selfish. We'll be humble. And we are to thank God for our lives while serving within them. So I hope that you found our initial discussion inspiring and energizing and that you'll consider coming back tomorrow as we look at Solomon's wisdom 
further around seasons or that there is a time for everything. And you know, friends, many uh, people I have found don't have a personal intimate relationship with Christ and they haven't accepted him as their savior. So today, if you want that personal relationship with God and you want to spend eternity in heaven and be assured you won't spend it elsewhere, I would invite you to pray this prayer of invitation. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the past, present, and future sins of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And consider getting into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other like-minded believers. You will help to edify and build up their faith, and in turn, they will do that for you. Now, let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. Congratulations, and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions that he left for us is this benediction. As you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you. Comes straight out of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, and is there a right or a wrong way to take communion, and many more topics. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And why don't you consider being a blessing to someone else today and share this podcast with them? And remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus forever. Amen. Until next time, be blessed and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.